Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where the horse to ride for your next bull purchase. 6th of February of 2021. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Today we have an update on grain markets this week with wheat moving up and canola showing downward pressure. Quite a change from the last couple of weeks where it was just the other way around. The Sask Water Agency releases its freeze-up report and says most farmland is dry going into winter. APAS releases an interim report in efforts to monitor and improve rural internet and cell phone service. The U.S. expresses concern about dairy trade with Canada. Real Agriculture discusses virtual farm business meetings being held this winter. Work is underway to develop a national code of practice for grain farming. And Nutrien launches a new carbon program to help farmers. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. A market analyst says canola prices are down $5 a ton this week, but starting to trend upwards. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo says wheat has risen 24 cents a bushel in recent days. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front here, we still have seen uh, a little bit of volatility in the markets. On Monday, we were uh, higher than we are right now uh, by approximately Five dollars. However, we are starting to trend a little bit higher here on the canola market. And on the wheat front, uh, wheat's actually showing some strength. Uh, in the last three days now here, Minneapolis wheat uh, has increased about uh, $0.24 cents a bushel. So uh, we're starting to, to see maybe a little bit of life in, uh, in that market. And I am watching, note again, how the Stats Can report uh, did affect uh, canola here. Again, it was positive when it came out uh, last week. And then this week here, there was a USDA report. So there was actually a little bit more ending stocks than than what was expected on corn and soybeans. And uh, that did cause those markets to initially sell off yesterday. However, they are starting to recover a little bit more today. So what's the outlook then next week and beyond? Well, there has been some some news of rains in South America, uh, but there are still pockets of dryness. Uh, areas of central and northern Brazil uh, received good rains kind of last weekend. But again, I've read that there are many areas still below normal soil moisture in, in southern Brazil and Argentina. So uh, I can still see there being, you know, a, a strong, you know, a fundamental case for for corn and soybeans. So that's uh, something I am going to be watching. However, it does look like there's a, a little bit of maybe profit taking here. But again, trends are still positive. And for next week, I'm going to be watching to see if these the three wheat markets, Chicago, Kansas, and Minneapolis, can maybe start to, to get a little bit more positivity going. And that might help farms sell a little bit of wheat if, they're, if they do still have any old crop left. So in summary, canola is down $5 on the week, but trending higher, and wheat is up $0.24 cents a bushel in recent days? That's correct, Jim, and we'll see if some of this strength can continue on the wheat market. Adam Picallo is Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial. 
The Water Security Agency of Saskatchewan says most of the grain belt has entered the winter drier than normal. The freeze-up report says the area east of Gravelberg and south of Yorkton have severe dry conditions. Exceptions are the extreme southwest and northern portions of the grain belt where conditions are near normal. Some smaller water reservoirs and dugouts have diminished supply and quality. Over southern areas, above normal snowfall will likely be needed to result in sufficient runoff to replenish surface water supplies next spring. Current long-range forecasts suggest above normal precipitation and below normal temperature over the winter months in Saskatchewan. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Salford Group. Call your Salford equipment dealer or visit salfordgroup.com. A committee examining the challenges facing rural internet service has released a discussion paper summarizing its work at the halfway point. The APAS Rural Connectivity Task Force is led by Jeremy Welter, who farms near Corrobert. He says they have been talking to experts and key service providers, including SASTEL. Uh, if anyone's interested, we've got both uh, a media brief and a preliminary report that has outlined kind of everything that we've come across to date as far as what some of the hurdles are and what some of the issues are causing this rural disconnect, literally. You can find the discussion paper on the APAS website along with a test that evaluates your own internet speed. The nice thing is if you scroll down on the uh, map of the speed test, it shows total number of speed tests. So currently we're sitting at 19,000 tests run that have come off of the APAS link. The map of Saskatchewan also shows uh, a number of different colored hexagons which show the number of tests in each uh, geographic area as well as uh, what the average speed in each area was. So there is actually a lot of really good information on the map and, and what you can do once you take your uh, speed test is you, you've got the opportunity to discover where your speed compares and stacks up to everyone else's. Welter provides this general overview of that internet speed map. As much as I hate to say it, there is a lot more red than there is blue. So red is obviously a significantly lower speed than blue. If you actually look on the website, the nice uh, sky blue color uh, represents the government's targets of, uh, of 50 10, so 50 megabytes uh, download uh, and 10 up. And there's only about seven or eight blue hexagons. Of course, Saskatoon Regina areas are, uh, are blue. Uh, there's a few areas farther up in, uh, in northern Saskatchewan. And, uh, and, and, you know, really the rest of the province is, is kind of a mess of red with the odd white uh, hexagon spattered in there, which is sort of uh, middle of the ground. Welter says poor internet creates barriers to growth in rural communities. APAS estimates Saskatchewan could increase provincial gross domestic product by $1.2 billion if internet services between rural and urban areas were equal. The U.S. says Canada is discouraging U.S. dairy farmers from exporting certain high-value products into our country. As a result, the White House made a formal request for consultations this week to address Canada's limited on a variety of dairy products. It's the first step towards setting up a dispute resolution panel, which would be the first of its kind under the new COSMA that was signed in July. The U.S. Dairy Export Council complained back in the summer Canada's supply-managed dairy industry was denying U.S. farmers rightful access to the Canadian market. U.S. Trade Rep Robert Lighthizer hinted at that in June, weeks before the deal was signed. We'll be looking very closely to see whether they're going to shade and not have American farmers get the full benefit of what they negotiated. If there's any shading of, 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 the, of the benefits to American farmers, we're going to bring a case against them. Canada's dairy industry was forced to give up 3% market share in order to secure the new NAFTA, 
and the government is promising that we'll be compensating for that. In the meantime, Canada's International Trade Minister, Mary Ng, told reporters Canada isn't doing anything wrong. I want to uh, be clear that Canada will always respect uh, the agreements uh, that we have entered into and Kuzma is, uh, Kuzma is no different, so we fully intend and we are respecting that agreement and uh, we will always stand up for Canadians farm, you know, Canadian farmers, but I'm very confident that, uh, that Canada is meeting its obligations under Kuzma. Mary Ng is Canada's Minister of International Trade. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Hi, I'm Bernard Tobin. Welcome to Real Agriculture. It is meeting season, and uh, most farming organizations are now trying their hand at virtual meetings. Um, Farm Business Management Canada's annual Ag Exit Conference is happening this week, and to talk about it, we're joined by the organization's Executive Director, Heather Watson. How's it going, Heather? It's going really well, actually. Yes, we're just about to start day two of our first ever virtual AgEx conference. Um, so far, so good. We've had pretty incredible um, participation, actually. We've got over a thousand people registered for the conference, wow. um, but we've had to kind of adjust our expectations in terms of you know, at first there was a bit of a grieving process of, oh, we can't be in person and we can't, you know, share a beer or whatnot. But now we're kind of realizing that this virtual space gives us a lot more opportunity. We're bringing in international speakers and we're also kind of able to cast a wide net when it comes to who can have access to it. And because we're virtual, our costs are a little bit lower so we can offer the conference for free for the first time. So instead of, you know, the $500, which can be limiting to some people, as well as having to travel to a specific location, people can tune in to whatever session they like, whenever they like and have access after the fact. So yeah, um, so far so good. It's, it's, it's exciting, and I, I think, yeah, we can we can even do more with it as we explore. Hey, now you kicked things off yesterday morning with your address, and I just want to talk about a, little, a couple of things you talked about. Um, you noted, um, you know, that actually, you know, Farm Business Management Canada started 1992 following the farm farm financial crisis of the 1980s. You know, that was 30 years ago, and and yesterday, you know, you reported that farm business management skills. Um, you know, are really still underappreciated and un undersubscribed by farmers. Uh, you, you had some numbers there yesterday. No significant increase, almost a decrease uh, in farm business management over the last five years. Only 21% have a formal business plan and 8% have a transition plan. Um, you know, what's happening? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of interesting. The reason why I talked about the history of the organization is because I think it's important to remember the context where we were brought out. So it was after a crisis. They thought, shoot, that didn't go so well. A lot of farms struggled. A lot of farms we lost as well. And families struggled. And so they thought, okay, well, 
what can we do to better prepare for uncertainty? And they turned to farm business management. And so I can't help but sit here today and think we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We're in the middle of a global crisis. Maybe this can be a turning point for turning it around. I think, you know, the 1980s was a long time ago. And, uh, and you know, as things, you know, become the distant past, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget how affected we were. And of course, today's generation of farmers, a lot of them, you know, don't remember what it was like, because they probably weren't farming at that time. Or, you know, they weren't the, the main proprietor, the main owner, the main farm manager. So the, the further we get from that, I think, you know, the fact that we've seen a decrease in the adoption of business practices in the past five years is indicative of that kind of distancing from, you know, there were times that weren't so good. And I think, relatively speaking, business has been good. And when business is good, we don't look at how it can be better. We just appreciate the fact it's good and try and keep rolling. Um, but really, it's important to have those business practices in place so that you can kind of maintain that momentum and and be in a position where you can bounce back if things get turned upside down. Hmm. And so what I'm hoping is that now that we find ourselves in an unprecedented situation, maybe it's, it's time to, to kind of take pause and reflect on what could we have done differently to, you know, come out a little bit better on the on the other end of this thing? And what can we do going forward, you know, to kind of better prepare for whatever may happen down the road? Yeah. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Hey, everybody. It's Ted Creech here from Hill 70 Quantock Ranch of Lloydminster, Alberta. On the 6th of February of 2021, I'd like to invite everybody to our 51st annual Barn Burner Bull Sale starting at 12 noon. Now we'll sell approximately 400 bulls consisting of Red and Black Angus, Horn and Pulled Herefords, Red and Black Sim Angus, Charlay and Red Balancer Bulls, plus 100 bred and open commercial females to round out the day. Now don't be afraid to get in touch with us. Either call myself, Connor or Bill at 1-800-665-7253. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. Mainly cloudy sky today, winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high today, minus 6, the low, minus 10. Tomorrow, partly cloudy sky, wind south 20, the high minus 8, evening periods of snow, the low minus 14. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high minus 14, the low minus 23. Monday, partly cloudy, the high minus 14, the low minus 19. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 13, 30% chance of evening flurries, the low minus 17. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 11, the low minus 15. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high minus 10. Normal high is minus 8 for this date. The normal low, minus 19. The sun rose at 8.49 this morning. It sets at 4.55 tonight. And around the province, we have the hot spot. It's Cornac at minus 3 degrees. The cold spot up north Collins Bay at minus 19. 
Estevan, minus 5. Saskatoon, also minus 5. Swift Current, minus 6. Weyburn, minus 5. Yorkton is minus 7. Regina is cloudy and minus 8. That's 18 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the northwest at 15. Humidity is 93%. The barometer rising, 102.5. There's fog in Moose Jaw. Minus 7 degrees. Winds are from the north, northwest at 15. Once again, Regina, cloudy and minus 8. That's 18 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Responsible Grain is a national code of practice being developed to demonstrate Canadian grain farmers' care and commitment to the environment. The draft code that's now open for consultation has been developed by farmers and industry experts as a voluntary science-based code of practice. Ted Menzies is the chair of the Responsible Grain Code Development Committee. Well, the code that we're developing, which is uh, at the uh, consultation phase now, so we've developed a draft that uh, provides information to growers and to all of the food chain, if you will, from the input suppliers to the processors of food to exporters and to consumers, um, that what farmers are doing on their land, producing crops, producing food, is responsible. They're sustainable. And they they have been and they continue to be, but we've never put it down in writing. We've never been able to share a document with a consumer that would ask, so how do you grow this canola or how do you grow this barley or this wheat? And we've never actually had a document. The beef industry has uh, a few years ago got started down this path and it's been very successful. Uh, it's around the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and you'll, you will have heard a lot of uh, of advertising using this and ranchers and cattle producers are just communicating with the public that what they do is sustainable that they can continue farming this way or for them it was raising beef this way and so can their children so can their grandchildren because they're maintaining the sustainability of the soil the air the water and the people that work the land. And so we've used a lot of that as a model to help design our code of practice. And we, we were originally calling it just a code of practice. And what is that? And we got that question, like, what is a code of practice? And so when, when we talked about it, it's, to me, it's very simple. It's showing people that farmers act responsibly and that they are responsible for the land where they're growing their food. They're responsible for the air, for reducing the pollutants that we put into the air, for managing the nutrients that provide the the crops that we grow, the fertilizer, and the input crop protection products that we use as well. And we're responsible for the people that work the land, whether it's our family or whether it's someone that's working on our farm with us. 
Menzies says the code of practice would assure consumers that chemical use on the farm won't cause any harm. There are strict regulations and requirements for applying farm chemicals. He adds farming methods have changed and improved significantly in recent years to improve soil and water quality. He encourages farmers to get involved with development of the code of practice. Well, it's very simple, and I'm going to give you something you've never heard before, and that's a URL, responsiblegrain.ca. And uh, as of this morning, if you go to responsiblegrain.ca, to that website, and click on resources, you will see the entire draft of all of those modules. And so then we would encourage people to get involved by a simple click of your mouse. You can sign up to do this at home, to go through all of these modules at home and give us feedback. Will this work on your farm? Does this make sense? Is this financially viable if I do this on my farm? Or tell us, hey, I've been doing this for years. That's what we want to hear is feedback from from farms, from the industry involved, whether it's the input suppliers or the food processors that are buying what we grow on this land, or whether it's the exporters that are exporting the raw products. We want to hear from everybody, is this going to work before we ever complete the responsible grain code of practice. Menzies wants the consultations completed by the end of February. He says the process was expected to be face-to-face, but it's now through the internet because of COVID-19. He'd like to have the grain farming code of practice completed in the first half of 2021. Well, we'd like to have the final draft before seeding, but uh, it, it may be a challenge. Um, you know how things, <laughs> it all depends on the feedback and, and we know we haven't got everything right. So we're expecting feedback that will that will change this. So we're hoping to have it all in place by this, uh, by this coming summer and uh, available for, uh, for rollout during the summer season. Ted Menzies is the chair of the Responsible Grain Code Development Committee. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. Nutrien has launched a new carbon program, which it says will fight climate change, while at the same time providing a financial boost to the farmer's bottom line. The Saskatoon-based company is implementing a plan to assist growers plan, plant, and track sustainable farming practices and improve carbon performance. The Nutrien Carbon Program will work with select growers next year, with expansion plans down the road. Mark Thompson is Nutrien's Executive Vice President, Chief Corporate Development and Strategy Officer. So effectively what we're doing is offering sort of a full acre solution that leverages the relationship we have with over half a million growers today, allows us to plan the crop, really measure soil carbon, bring both products and digital solutions to measure agronomic practices in terms of how they improve sustainability on the farm, and then create that performance uh, offset and monetization opportunity for growers to benefit from the environmental practices that they're implementing on the farm. And We're really excited about it, and the growers that we've spoken to that are part of our pilots are really excited about it as well, which is great. Thompson says there are opportunities to meld profitability and sustainability. Absolutely. I think there's a huge opportunity here, and in fact, 
the agronomic practices and products that actually create stronger environmental outcomes on the farm, we believe are ROI positive in themselves. And so these would be things like slow and controlled release fertilizers or nitrogen technologies like inhibitors, new value-added products like biologicals and micronutrients, and variable rate fertilizer applications in better timing. And those can have a real impact in a positive way on greenhouse gas emissions like nitrous oxide, but also practices like low and no-till cropping and cover crops, which obviously is dependent on region across North America. But all of those practices, we believe, have very strong ROI for a grower. And they also contribute to better environmental performance and carbon outcomes, which is ultimately, in our view, going to allow a grower to benefit on the back end of this as well with the huge potential opportunity in the carbon economy that we see emerging. The program rolls out next year. In 2021, we're really using this as an opportunity to gain scale and roll out pilots. So we're going to have a series of pilots across the U.S., and here in Canada, we're focusing on Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba with select growers. One of those growers is Coots Agro that uh, was part of our announcement. And really the focus of the pilots is to test the design of the program, uh, to test the agronomic solutions and the soil benchmarking in terms of carbon content and then measuring the impact of our products and uh, service and uh, effectively the recipe that we're designing in terms of carbon outcomes. So 2021 will be a scale up and a learning year. And our hope is that with the learnings in 2021, we can continue to shape policy, improve the program so that into 2022 and beyond, we can really scale the program up in a big way as part of our normal commercial business. Thompson says there are medium-sized farms involved as well. We absolutely do, and uh, we have a variety of size of farms in the pilots today, some very large growers, uh, but also medium and smaller size farms as well, which of course vary by region. But with the view and vision that this becomes of part of the way we do business and part of our normal commercial offering, we would see this being available to uh, all of Nutrient Ag Solutions grower customers uh, in the future. Thompson says producing more food with less water and environmental impact describes sustainability in an easy-to-understand single sentence. And I think when you step back and you think about the impact that growers can have globally, in our view, growers are right at the front end of two critical societal issues, food security and environmental outcomes or climate action. We don't view these things as being in conflict. They're both critical and we actually believe that we can continue to have productive agriculture that's more sustainable agriculture and that growers can be rewarded uh, for the environmental practices that they're implementing and be a real driving force in terms of climate action and be rewarded for that in terms of the emerging carbon market. Sustainability means long-term viability for growers and that encompasses soil health, water management, and carbon outcomes and a number of other things. And so we believe that by building this infrastructure as part of a holistic sustainability offering, we'll be able to help growers improve all of those outcomes over time. Thompson says there are many challenges in terms of carbon performance and measurement, and the pilot project will help shape protocols to ensure they're practical and provide incentives for producers to cut emissions. Mark Thompson is an executive vice president with Nutrien based in Saskatoon. Nutrien will be starting a pilot carbon program for select farmers next year with plans to expand down the road. 
The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall's Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. Viterra prices were showing upward movement in early trading this morning. Canola gained $3.20 per metric ton at $545.97. Number one red spring wheat went up $3.10 at $239.50. The rest were unchanged. Durham, $297.62. Feed barley, $209.70. Flax, $693.37. Lentils, $557.50. Oats, $206.53. Yellow peas, $328.89, and feed wheat, $183.72 per metric ton. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, March, red spring wheat gained $0.10 a bushel at $5.72.50 a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is Graham Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moosha. 1,100 calves at our last pre-sorted of the year. That calf market there on Tuesday looked like it was pretty steady to the week before. Another 500 at a regular sale on Thursday. This cow market, it was quite a bit stronger this week, and I haven't said that in a while. Plus, we moved another four tri-loads of black steers from Rod Williams on there in the Crane Valley country this week. Good cows, 71 to 70. We had cows as high as 86 cents here on Thursday. Medium cows of 60. 65 to 72. The bulls look like they're a little softer. The dollar is climbing on that end. Only one sale left here is Thursday, December 17th of cows, bulls, yearlings, and calves. It's been Grant Burnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices for both the Brandon and Moose Jaw plants. Today's quote is $152.71 per metric ton. And if you missed the hot spot in Saskatchewan, Cornac minus 3, the cold spot Collins Bay minus 19. Estevan, Saskatoon minus 5, Swift Current minus 6, Weyburn minus 5, Yorkton is minus 7. Regina Cloudy and minus 8, that's 18 Fahrenheit, winds from the northwest at 5. Fog and Moose Jaw, minus 7, winds north-northwest at 15. Once again, Regina Cloudy and minus 8, that's 18 Fahrenheit. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. The Saskatchewan government is on track to open new international trade and investment offices in India, Japan and Singapore in 2021. Officials say a managing director has been hired for each office as well as a new managing director for the office in China. Trade and Export Development Minister Jeremy Harrison says the offices will strengthen Saskatchewan trade relationships, grow exports, and attract new investment. In October, exports were up over 22% year-over-year, the biggest increase among the provinces. Saskatchewan exported $775 million in merchandise to India, including potash, lentils, uranium, peas, chickpeas, and wood pulp. Saskatchewan exports to Japan were $1.1 billion last year, including canola, wheat, barley and malt. Exports of Saskatchewan products to Southeast Asia reached $1.2 billion, including potash, wheat, wood pulp, peas and canola. 
China is Saskatchewan's second largest export market after the U.S., with exports reaching $3.1 billion last year, including potash, canola, peas, barley, wheat, and wood pulp. On the markets, Canada's main stock index edged lower midday alongside U.S. markets as oil prices dipped. The TSX composite index was down 93 points at 17,500. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 68 points at 29,931. The Canadian dollar traded at 78.37 cents U.S. compared with 78.53 cents Thursday. The January crude oil contract was down 4 cents at 46.74 a barrel. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Hill 70 Quantock Ranch. The place to be for your next bull purchase. Mark the right date, February 6, 2021. Call 1-800-665-7253 anytime, any day. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where quality comes in quantity on the 6th of February of 2021. Be welcome to join us for our annual bull sale.